in those chapters, and we kind of went over those uh, last week, and, and you can watch if you weren't here uh, last week, but God had been using Ezekiel in miraculous ways, and it ended last week in chapter 24 with the death of his wife. After having to preach all these hard sermons and, and having to eat bread over dung and having to pretend like he was digging through a wall and, and doing the various uh, sleeping exercises where he'd sleep on one side and then have to sleep on another and, and all the visuals that he had to do for the people and to get no response from them. And finally, after the death of his wife, they asked the question, what does this mean? Why is God allowing this to happen to a man that they knew was godly, a prophet of God, a priest of God, and now for his wife to die? And above that, beyond that, he wasn't even allowed to mourn for her. And if you were here last week, you remember it was to represent the temple itself being destroyed, the apple of God's eye. The, 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 the center of the Jewish nation, where, where God at one time literally dwelt on earth, is going to be destroyed. And no one's going to weep a tear over it. The Babylonians are going to come in, tear it literally apart. The walls are going to be torn down. The temple's going to be torn down. The Ark of the Covenant and all those precious uh, utensils that were gold and silver and the various things that were, that were used in the uh, sacrificial system are now taken away, carted to um, Babylon. So the first 24 chapters were specifically for the Israelites, and, and now we're in a section starting last week in chapter 25 with the surrounding nations. Does God still love those that are non-Israelite? Even though the Israelites are his people, his chosen people, does God still love the Gentiles? Those people without a single drop of Jewish blood in them. And he started last week with Edom, the twin brother of Jacob, the twin brother of Israel, and then to Moab and Ammon, who would have been the, uh, the sons slash grandsons of Lot, the, the second cousins of uh, Jacob. And then, of course, uh, the Philistines, who lived literally right on the coast of Israel. Today, we're going a little bit further. We're going to the um, island nation of Tyre. Uh, three chapters are dedicated to Tyre. In fact, the first 14 verses sums it up in chapter 26. Uh, on February the 3rd, during the 12th year of King Jehoiachin's captivity, this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, Tyre has rejoiced over the fall of Jerusalem, uh, saying, Ha! She who was the gateway to the rich trade routes to the east has been broken, and I am the heir, because she has been made desolate. I will become wealthy." Do you see the attitude of Tyre? It gets more descriptive, by the way. Verse 3, therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am your enemy. 
O Tyre, and I will bring many nations against you, like the waves of the sea crashing against your shoreline. Uh, they will destroy the walls of Tyre and tear down its towers. I will scrape away its soil and make it bare rock. It will be just a rock in the sea, a place for fishermen to spread their nets. For I have spoken, says the sovereign Lord." A tire will become the prey of many nations, and its mainland villages will be destroyed uh, by the sword, and then they will know that I am the Lord. And this is what the sovereign Lord says. From the north, I will bring King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon against Tyre. He is king of kings and brings his horses, chariots, charioteers, and great army. First, he will destroy your many villages or your mainland villages. And then he will attack you by building a siege wall, constructing a ramp, and raising a roof of shields against you. He will pound your walls with battering rams and demolish your towers with sledgehammers. The hooves of his horses will choke the city with dust and the noise of the charioteers and chariot wheels will shake your walls as they storm through your broken gates. His horsemen will trample through every street in your city and they will butcher your people and your strong pillars will topple. Do, do you see how descriptive this is, by the way? The NLT really brings out the descriptions of, of these literal uh, siege uh, works that are coming against this uh, nation, this strong City, And we're going to see in just a little bit how amazing this is going to be, by the way. Verse 12, they will plunder all your riches and merchandise and break down your walls. They will destroy your lovely homes and dump your stones and timbers and even your dust into the sea. I will stop the music of your songs. No more will the sound of harps be heard among your people, I will make your island a bare rock, a place for fishermen to spread their nets, and you will never be rebuilt. For I, the Lord, have spoken. Yes, the sovereign Lord has spoken. I have a, a couple of pictures here. The first one kind of shows the overview of the entire uh, region here. This is the... Um, uh, the section that we're in, starting in chapter 25, going all the way up to uh, chapter 28, you can see the previous nations there, starting with Ammon, Philistines, Moab, and Edom. These were very close to uh, the nation of Israel. And then you have with the section that we're in today, which is in Tyre and Sidon. And Tyre uh, literally was made up of two cities. It was a, a very, very strong uh, uh, trading uh, city. They had part of their city was on land and part of their city was on an island. In fact, you can see that in the next slide there, kind of a blow up of the previous uh, picture. Uh, you, you see here that there was literally what was called the old tire, which controlled the trade routes on land. And then you had the island tire, which controlled the, uh, the trade routes in the Mediterranean Ocean. Uh, so, for instance, anything that came through 
to the land in uh, the Middle East, especially in the northern part of Israel, uh, Samaria, all the regions that had to go to Babylon or to anything further to the east had to come through Tyre. So, so Tyre was a very strong empire at this time. They, they were an island that was fortified and was able to protect the trade routes and they charged you for it. The pride that they had and who they were in their uh, wealth was overwhelming. In fact, in verse 2 of chapter 26, just leave it up there. We'll see it in a, in a little bit. It says, Tyre has rejoiced over the fall of Jerusalem, saying, Ha! She who was the gateway to the rich trade routes to the east has been broken, and I am the heir. Who's going to receive the heritage of all the trade routes after the nation of Israel has been destroyed? It's Tyre. And they knew it. You see, they had control of the sea trade routes, but many times they had to um, kind of fight over the various land tra trade routes because those went through Jerusalem. And so Jerusalem being the gateway between uh, Asia Minor and Africa was one of those places that God had placed specifically for the nation of Israel to receive not only the transporting of goods between two different continents, but also to bless them as well. And Tyre is now the one who's going to be the recipient of those trade routes. They're happy that Jerusalem has fallen. They're happy that Israel has been destroyed. These next three chapters are going to describe their pride and their downfall. This once nation that literally was impenetrable, even if their land territory was taken, they would still have their island. But God's going to cause something miraculous to happen, something that the, the world at this time would never have known would happen. We're going to see that not only is the old tire, the land tire, going to be destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, but 200 years later, very descriptive in these three chapters, exactly the way that this is described here, the island tire will also be destroyed. Now, I don't know if you guys get confused with the word tire. Uh, please, please, you know, um, bear in mind this is T-Y-R-E. This is a city. This isn't a tire floating in the ocean, okay? This is a fortress. This island has been used literally for hundreds of years. It was established by the Phoenicians who were a major power in the Mediterranean Ocean. And they're going to be destroyed 200 years later, exactly how God describes it. In fact, in the first 14 verses, we see just a little glimpse of the way this is going to happen. You see, guys, that bridge there? You see, Nebuchadnezzar is going to destroy uh, the land tire 13 years after Jerusalem is destroyed. 
And, and then Alexander the Great is going to take the ruins of the old Tyre 200 years later, exactly as it's described here. He's going to make a land bridge that literally goes from the northern part of Israel to Tyre, 60 meters wide. His army is going to build a bridge and besiege Tyre. The impenetrable city, the city that thought it could never be defeated because there's no catapults or, or siege hammers or, or anything that can come across the ocean and destroy us. If they're ships, they're going to be destroyed before they ever get to us. How could this ever take place? 200 years before it happens, in accurate detail, Ezekiel is going to describe it. Can you imagine that? How accurate is the word of God? Tyre wasn't always like this. You can go to uh, 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. You see, it was Tyre that actually helped build the temple. You know that, right? During the reign of King Solomon, when Solomon was looking for materials in order to build the temple, he, he went to various other countries looking for goods. He, he went to the north looking for cedar uh, for not only his house, but also for the house of God. And it was Tyre who offered to bring uh, all that material down with his ships. In fact, in 1 Kings 5, verse 1, it says, King Hiram of Tyre had always been a loyal friend of David. And when Hiram learned that David's son Solomon, the new king of Israel, he sent ambassadors to congratulate him. They were once allies. Skipping ahead to verse 7 there in 1 Kings chapter 5, it says, And when Hiram received Solomon's message, he was very pleased and said, Praise the Lord today for giving David a wise son to be king of the great nation of Israel. They, they were once allies. It was Tyre that helped build the temple of God. And now they're glad that Jerusalem's being destroyed. Why? Because they're going to inherit the riches. They get the trade routes now. They don't have any more competition because they control it. it. Continues on there in the rest of the chapter, verse 15 of Ezekiel chapter 26. Look how specific this is. This is what the sovereign Lord says to Tyre. The whole coastland will tremble at the sound of your fall. As the screams of the wounded echo in your continuing slaughter. All the seaport rulers will step down from their thrones and take off their royal robes and beautiful clothing. They will sit on the ground trembling with horror at your destruction. Why? Because this was a nation that wasn't supposed to be destroyed. They, they were an island they had fortifying walls. They were supposed to be untouchable. And it's causing everybody to tremble that's on the seacoast. 
And they will wail for you, singing their funeral songs. O famous island city, once ruler of the sea, how you have been destroyed. Your people with their naval power once spread fear around the world. And, and now the coastlands tremble at your fall. The islands are dismayed as you disappear. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I will make Tyre an uninhabited ruin. Like many others, I will bury you beneath the terrible waves of enemy attack. Great seas will swallow you. I will send you to the pit to join those who descended there long ago. Your city will lie in ruins buried beneath the earth. Those like those in the pit who entered the world of the dead, you will have no place of respect here in the land of the living. I'll bring you to a terrible end and you will exist no more. You'll be looked for, but you will never again be found. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Not only is Tyre mentioned in the Old Testament, we saw how he was actually a, a part of the uh, ferrying of goods to Jerusalem in order to build the temple. But he's also, Tyre is actually mentioned in the New Testament as well. In Luke chapter 6 verse uh, 17, Jesus spoke about Tyre. As a comparison, by the way. When they came down from the mountain, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. There were people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem and from as far north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. Pe people came down from various places far and wide to hear Jesus even as far as Tyre and Sidon. What does it describe it as in verse 18? They'd come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those troubled by evil spirits were healed. And everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him. And he healed everyone, even those from Tyre and Sidon. Does God have power to heal? Yes. Even those that aren't Jewish, by the way. Thank God for that. Even those that had pride in their heart, as these people will see this later on, the people from Tyre and Sidon. But yet they humbled themselves to come to Jesus and ask for help. You see, that's how you conquer pride. It is you humble yourself as Jesus did and ask God for help. Because pride is always self-sufficient and thinks we can do it ourselves. It's the very first sin, by the way. Tyre's also mentioned in Acts chapter 21 on Paul's uh, third missionary journey. It says there in verse 1, after saying farewell to the Ephesian elders, we sailed straight to the land of Kos, and the next day we reached Rhodes, and then we went to Patara, and there we boarded a ship sailing for Phoenicia. 
This was the, literally the area that Tyre was the capital of. And we sighted the land of Cyprus, passed it on our left, and landed at the harbor of Tyre in Syria, where the ship was unloaded of its cargo. In fact, you probably have no idea where any of these cities are. Just like if you were to tell someone from out of state to go up to Tachapi or go to some other place, Arvin or, or someplace near here. They would have no clue what you're saying. Look at the map. This is a, a map of uh, the uh, Mediterranean Ocean. And you can see on the far right, Tyre and Sidon, the red is the trip that Paul is describing in the southern part here. They go from uh, Asia area. They go along roads. They go to the various islands along the way. They pass Cyprus on uh, the left and they go to Tyre and Sidon. A, a cruise, if you will, on a missionary journey that Paul is taking. In fact, you could probably even take this kind of a journey today, right? A cruise in the Mediterranean Ocean following the steps of Paul, right? But do you understand what Paul is doing? He's reaching out to those that are non-Jewish. Does God still love those as we've been seeing in this section in the book of Ezekiel? Does God still warn? Does God still reach out to those that have no clue who he is and are even rejecting him now? And who does he use? People like us. Just as he used Paul and Barnabas, and Timothy, and Silas, and the people that went on the missionary journeys with him. Chapter 27. We see the destruction of Tyre. Then this message came to me from the Lord, Son of Man, sing a funeral song for Tyre, that mighty gateway to the sea, the trading center of the world. Give Tyre this message from the sovereign Lord, you boasted, O Tyre, my beauty is perfect. You extended your boundaries into the sea. Your builders made your beauty perfect. Picture in your, set, your head this amazing city, this island nation that controls, literally, as it says here, the trade center of the world and the pride that they have in who they are. You extended your boundaries into the sea. Your builders made your beauty perfect. You were like a great ship built of the finest cypress from Sinar. They took cedar from Lebanon to make a mast for you. They, they covered your oars with from oaks of Bashan, your deck of pine from the coast of Cyprus was inlaid with ivory. All these amazing materials from around the world centered, had to go through Tyre. And literally made their nation city beautiful. Do you see all the wood that's here? The ivory, the various things that come from not only Asia, but Africa and various parts of the world all having to go through Tyre. The, the beauty of what they accomplished. Your sails were made of Egyptian 
finest linen, and they flew as a banner above you. You stood beneath blue and purple awnings made bright with dyes from the coast of Elisha. You can buy this today, even Egyptian linen, right? You know, makes great, you know, sheets, bed sheets, right? All, all these various linens that you see, the colors that are mentioned here are amazing. The privilege of being able to have all these trade goods travel through Tyre because they had to go from north to south and east to west and west to east and south to north or however it was. It was amazing how this city controlled the trade route. Your oarsmen come from Sidon and Arvid. Your helmsmen were skilled men from Tyre itself. Not only the materials traveled through Tyre, not, not only did trade goods travel through Tyre, but people as well. Look at the description of the various people. You know, these were people that were skilled in navigating and skilled in building, skilled in all the various uh, craftsmanship, able to be used in this city to build amazing things, and they're proud of it. Wise, old craftsmen from Gabal did the chalking. Ships from every land came with goods to barter for your trade, and it all had to go through Tyre. Men from distant Persia, Lydia, Libya, served in your great army, all these mercenaries that they had hired. They hung their shields and helmets on your walls, giving you great honor. Men from Arvin and Halek stood on your walls. Your towers were men manned by men from Gamad. Their shields hung on your walls, completing your beauty. Being an island nation, they literally had to hire the mercenaries. They had to hire armies. And they chose from the very best. Shieldsmen and swordsmen and various people that could shoot from afar with bows. All the various things that they had within this beautiful city. Verse 12. You know this city, right? Tarshish. Sent merchants to buy your wares in exchange for silver, iron, tin, and lead. You guys know this place, right? This is from the book of Jonah and also where Paul came from, right? Paul was from Tarshish, Saul of Tarshish. And this is where Jonah tried to flee, right? Going all the way to Tarshish. This was the place that would exchange all their ores, the, the raw materials, all these various ores, silver and iron and tin and lead, and it would have to go through Tyre in order to go to the mainland to be processed and made into the various things that were refined from it. Merchants from Greece and Tubal and Meshech brought slaves and articles of bronze to trade with you, not only inanimate objects, but people as well that were being sold to the mainland would have to go through Tyre. It was literally the trade center of the world at this time. And they were proud of it. From Beth 
Tog, Amar, came riding horses, chariot horses, and mules, all in exchange for your goods. Merchants came to you from Dedan, and numerous close lands were your captive markets. They brought payment in ivory tusks and ebony wood. All these things that we pay even today, uh, exorbitant amounts of money for. And they all had to go through Tyre. They controlled the market of exotic goods and people. Verse 16, Syria sent merchants to buy your rich variety of goods. They, they could be called the Amazon of their day, right? Look at the kinds of things that you could have bought from them. They traded turquoise and purple dyes and embroidery and fine linen and jewelry of corals and rubies. Judah and Israel traded for your wares, offering wheat from Manith, figs, honey, olive oil, and balm. And if Israel wanted to send anything overseas, where did they have to go through? Tyre. Exactly. They controlled the sea routes. You know why Tyre is glad that Jerusalem's falling? Because now they're going to control the land routes as well. They're going to have a monopoly on the trade. Verse 18, Damascus sent merchants to buy your rich variety of goods, bringing wine from Helbon and white wool from Zahar. Greeks from Uzal came to trade for your merchandise. Wrought iron, Kaseya, fragrant calamus were bartered for your wares. Not only the raw goods, but the various exotic goods as well. And Tyre was proud of it. They were proud of who they were, and they're happy that Jerusalem's going to be destroyed because they control it now. Verse 20, Dedan sent merchants to trade their expensive saddle blankets with you. The Arabians and the princes of Qadar sent merchants to trade lambs and rams and male goats in exchange for your goods. The merchants of Sheba and Ramah came from all kinds of spices and jewels and gold in exchange for all your wares, literally the place right in the center between two continents, Africa and Asia Minor, where trade would have to go through, and they controlled it all. And they were proud of it, too. Tyre. Look at the rest of these exotic goods, verse 23. Haran, Kanae, Eden, Sheba, Ashur, Kilmad came with their merchandise too. They brought choice fabrics to trade, blue cloth, embroidery, multicolored carpets rolled up and bound with cords. The ships of Tarshish were your ocean caravans. Your island warehouse was filled to the brim and they were proud of it all. See, Jerusalem, they understood where their wealth came from. They understood that it came from God. And Tyre had been a part of the building of the temple itself. They had once been aligned with uh, Jerusalem, with King Solomon. And now they are happy to see Jerusalem destroyed. Look at the wealth they're going to get starting in verse 26. 
But look, your oarsmen have taken you into stormy seas. A mighty eastern gale has wrecked you in the heart of the sea. Everything is lost, your riches, your wares, your sailors and pilots, your shipbuilders, merchants and warriors on the day of your ruin. Everyone on board sinks into the depths of the sea. And just as we saw this beautiful ship built by all the things that they had accumulated over the hundreds of years, what is God going to do to that beautiful city? He's going to destroy it. Your cities by the sea tremble as your pilots cry out in terror. All the oarsmen abandon their ships, the sailors and pilots Stand on the shore. They cry aloud over you and they weep bitterly. They throw dust on their heads and they roll in the ashes. They shave their heads in grief for you and dress themselves in burlap. They weep for you with bitter anguish and deep mourning as they wail and mourn over you. They sing this sad funeral song. Uh, was there ever such a city as Tyre, now silent? At the bottom of the sea. You see, the detailed descriptions that we see here in 200 years from this writing, literally a nation will come, take the ruins of the old city of Tyre and make a 60 meter bridge over to the island city of Tyre, the once impenetrable city, and will destroy it. Led by Alexander the Great. Ezekiel describes it in such great detail. Is the word of God true? Yes, it is. Verse 33, the merchandise you traded satisfied the desire of many nations. Kings at the ends of the earth were enriched by your trade. Now you are wrecked ship. Broken at the bottom of the sea, all your merchandise and crew have gone down with you. All who live along the coastlands are appalled by your terrible fate. Their kings are filled with horror and look on with twisted faces. The merchants among the nations shake their heads at the sight of you. For you have come to a horrible end and will exist no more. Why is this happening to them? We find out in the next chapter. But by the way, again, just like Tyre's mentioned at the time of the building of the temple, Tyre's mentioned at the time of Paul's third missionary journey, Jesus also compared Tyre. In Matthew chapter 15, we read this. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. Just as we got to pray earlier tonight uh, for those in the congregation, do you understand that Jesus had compassion even on those that had rejected God earlier? that were humble enough to come and ask for healing. Does God still heal? By the way, he does a, an amazing miracle. Chapter 28, we move now from the city 
to the ruler. And this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, give the prince of Tyre this message from the sovereign Lord. In your great pride you claim, I am a God. I sit on a divine throne in the heart of the sea. But you are only a man and not a God, though you boast that you are a God. You regard yourself as wiser than Daniel and think no secret is hidden from you. Despite all these amazing, uh, exotic things that had come through Tyre, them thinking of themselves higher than what they were, the, the pride of Tyre sitting on this throne in the middle of the trade center of the world. And how does the prince of Tyre think of himself? How proud is he? What does it say there? I am a... Yeah. How, how highly does he think of himself? Yeah. By the way, this chapter not only refers to a, a human uh, prince, but later on we're going to see he's actually inhabited by Satan himself, demon-possessed. What was the very first sin? And who committed that sin? Satan, right? Lucifer. The, the one who was the most beautiful of all the angels, and he got jealous because God got their worship. And because of his pride, he fell. But that doesn't stop him from using people. Can a politician be demon-possessed? Look at the description of the pride in uh, the Prince of Tyre. With your wisdom and understanding, you have amassed great wealth, gold and silver for your treasures. He is as wise as Daniel. And yes, this is a comparison to the guy that we're going to be talking about when we get to the book of Daniel, the very next book after uh, the book of Ezekiel. He is in the upper echelon of the Babylonian Empire at this uh, time. He had been known for his uh, wisdom. He at this time would have been about third in control of the nation uh, of Babylon. His wisdom had spread around the known world, the world at least that Babylon had influence over. And Tyre, the prince of Tyre, is comparing himself to a godly man who got visions from God and dreams from God. And the difference, one was humble and the other was proud. Comparing himself to God and Daniel humbling himself before God. Verse 5, yes, your wisdom was made, has made you very rich and your riches made you very proud. The language is very, very similar, not only in the book of Revelation where uh, Satan is compared to uh, pride, but also in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, we read this. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
and how we will be gathered to meet him. You all remember that Second Thessalonians was, was written to a people that thought that they had missed the rapture. And Paul is clarifying for them the church in Thessalonica, by the way, one of those places that we saw on the third missionary journey that Paul took on the map that we saw earlier. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them. Even they claim to have had spiritual vision, a revelation or a letter supposedly from us. You see, there had been rumors that you've missed the rapture. Oh no, you're stuck here. You're going to have to go through the tribulation. Verse 3, don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. Look at the description. Remember Tyre. Remember the prince of Tyre. The description is so mirrored. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is is God. How do you know that the rapture is coming quickly? Do you see it there? There's signs. Someone's going to actually sit in the temple and describe themselves as God. That means that the temple has to be rebuilt for one thing. But also there's going to be someone who thinks of himself, not just the real God, not just Yahweh, but also every other object of worship. Every other religion even. They're going to claim that they themselves are God and the only one that can be worshipped. Tyre is just a prelude to that. Verse 6, going back to Ezekiel chapter 28, we see the rest of the pride of this prince. <clears throat> Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Because you think you are as wise as a god, I will now bring against you a foreign army, the terror of the nations. They will draw their swords against your marvelous wisdom and defile your splendor. It will bring you down to the pit. You will die in the heart of the sea, pierced with many wounds. Will you then boast that I am a God to those who kill you? To them, you will be no God, but merely a man. You will die like an outcast at the hands of foreigners. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. What happens when we exalt ourselves? What happens when we have pride in our own accomplishments? It brings a great downfall. Verse 11, then this further message came to me from the Lord, son of man, sing this funeral song for the king of Tyre. Give him this message from the sovereign Lord. Does God still reach out to the Gentiles? 
And yes, most of the major and minor prophets, they were focused on uh, the Israelites, they were focused on the people of God, but thank God for the parts of Isaiah and Jeremiah and now in the book of Ezekiel, starting in chapter 5, going all the way up to chapter 33, where we see that God is now focusing on the Gentiles and warning them as well. How does he warn them? You were a model of perfection, full of wisdom and exquisite in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Oh, is this just referring to the Prince of Tyre now? Can a passage in the scripture, and thank God for this, by the way, not only in the book of Revelation or in prophetic text, but even in this chapter, it's referring to a specific man at a specific time in history, but does it also span time as well? And can it be just as applicable to us today, to political leaders even today, and even to Satan himself? Who was there in the Garden of Eden? Who was the one that tempted Adam and Eve? Who was the one, and we see this in any person that has pride, an influence, or even as the Prince of Tyre is described here as being inhabited by Satan himself. When I have pride in my own accomplishments, who do I look like? The serpent in the Garden of Eden. I rationalize my sin. I rationalize my pride. Look at how he does that. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone. Red carnelian, blue-green peridot, white moonstone, blue-green beryl, onyx, green jasper, blue lapis lazuli, turquoise and emerald all beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest gold by the way we saw a lot of these stones earlier in the chapter of ezekiel a, a blue lapis lazuli is the the one that described the throne of god himself what is satan trying to do look like god but he's using man-made things to do it he's using creation to do it all beautifully crafted for you, set in the finest gold. They were given to you on the day you were what? <clears throat> and this is the crux of everything. Because everything that is not God is created. Including Satan himself. Including all the angels. There's only one who has always existed for all of eternity. And it's God. This is one of the true reasons why we believe that Jesus Christ is God, because he was never created. He is a God, a part of what was, we call the, the Godhead uh, Trinity. Forever fellowshipping and communing with God forever and ever and ever in time past and time uh, future. Satan was created. Can never claim to be God. But yet in his pride, he is, verse 14, I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God and you walked among the stones of fire. 
Did, did Satan, before he fall, have access to the very throne room of God? Oh, yeah. Even in the book of Job, by the way, he had access. He, he could come and go. He said, oh, look at Job, your servant. You know, if you were just to remove some of the protections away from him, he would deny you to your face, right? And God, knowing Job, allowed it to happen. By, by the way, God knows you too, by the way. And Satan tries to destroy you too, even today. Verse 15, it continues on there. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. Your rich commerce led you to violence and you sinned. So I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, almighty guardian, from your place among the stones of fire. Your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty. What did Satan want? The worship of the angels. He was jealous of what God wanted. Again, this is what pride does in us. When I am proud of my own accomplishments, I can claim I did it myself. And you need to acknowledge that, by the way. It's a person who takes pride in their accomplishments and wants to be gratified by everybody else. And by the way, if you don't do it, there's going to be, you know, H-E-double-L to pay. Just as Satan does, by the way, too. Look at the rest of this. Your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor, so I threw you to the ground and exposed you to the very curious gaze of kings. You defiled your sanctuaries with your many sins, your dishonest trade. So I brought fire out from within you and it consumed you. I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all you who were watching. All who knew you are appalled at your fate. You have come to a terrible end and you will exist no more. Where is Satan destined for? Hell. Matthew chapter 11 verse 21. Just have a little bit more here. Jesus spoke out against Tyre and Sidon. What sorrow awaits you, O Chorazin and Bethesda, for if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long ago. Clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their head to show their remorse, I tell you, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on Judgment Day than you. Do you understand the difference, the comparison that's being made here? If Jesus Christ had gone to Tyre during the time of Ezekiel, they would have actually repented. Just like when Jonah went to the city of Nineveh. Do you understand that if one of those prophets would have gone and taught in Tyre, they would have repented? And Jesus is describing these Galilean cities. If I had gone to a 
uh, a Gentile city, they would have repented, but you're not. You're so used to hearing these things. His very people had rejected him. Verse 20, we continue on at the very last part here. Then another message came to me from the Lord, son of man, turn, your, turn and face the city of Sidon and prophesy against it. This is the sister city of, of Tyre. It's a little bit further north of Tyre there. Give the people of Sidon this message from the sovereign Lord. I am your enemy, O Sidon. And I will reveal my glory by what I do to you. And when I bring judgment against you and reveal my holiness among you, everyone watching will know that I am the Lord. I will send a plague against you and blood will be spilled in your streets. The attack will come from every direction and your people will lie slaughtered within your walls. Then everyone will know that I am the Lord. No longer will Israel's scornful neighbors prick and tear at her like briars and thorns, for then they will know that I am the sovereign Lord. And this is what the sovereign Lord says. The people of Israel will again live in their own land, the land I gave my servant Jacob. For I will gather them from the distant lands where I've scattered them. I will reveal to the nations of the world my holiness among my people. And they will live safely in Israel and build homes and plant vineyards. And when I punish the neighboring nations that treated them with contempt, they will know that I am the Lord, their God. Every single one of us battles with pride. What's the only way to knock it out of your life? To acknowledge that the Lord is God. Over After every single one of these prophetic words, he says, acknowledge that the Lord is God. That he is the one that is sovereign. Meaning he is over everything, in control of all. The only way I can become humble is acknowledging who God is. And for all of us, we all battle pride doesn't matter your gender or your position or who you are. doesn't matter your nationality or how much money you make. It doesn't matter. We all battle with pride. And what does God invite us to do? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. And so, Father... Uh, tonight, as we, you know, maybe even for the first time are hearing this text, maybe for the first time reading through uh, the book of Ezekiel, maybe uh, trying to grasp our, our minds around these amazing texts, these, these texts that uh, very seldom are taught on, but are yet are so applicable even to today, for our lives even today. Where, where a, a great nation that had pride in, in who they were as a, a trade center, where, where all the various goods and people had to come through, and they knew it, and they thought they were indestructible, invincible, and yet you're going to cause their downfall because of their pride. Just like with us today, when we see people fall in our multimedia news, a saturated world. Uh, 
And we even maybe at times inwardly cheer that they've fallen, those people that we describe as proud, yet we ourselves battle with the very same thing. Lord, humble us. Help us to be humble before you. Help us to admit our weaknesses before a mighty, sovereign Lord. And help us to know you as God. And so, Lord, I ask you bless these, my friends, my family tonight. I thank you so much for the privilege of being able to be here with them tonight. I ask that you would help us to encourage one another, to pray for one another, to be there for one another in our times of need, to admit that we are weak, that we are in need of help, and to know that you are there right with us, Lord. We thank you for your power and who you are, and we acknowledge you as God. We magnify you as God. No one else. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen.